Well, here we go. Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. Today we take the time to discuss two big challenges in our lives and how they affect prayer. And the two big challenges that we're going to talk about today are stress and worry. And I'm sure you're thinking, why did we even come today? I don't even struggle with stress and worry. Well, face it. If you breathe and if you have a pulse, you struggle with stress and worry. It is that preoccupation with what is going on and what could be. And it just could be about anything. It could be deadlines or utility bills or physical tests or unemployment or hospital stays or icy roads or family issues or final exams or grocery bills or having to perform or what will people think and on and on and on it goes. Stress and worry are things we all deal with. Folks, I deal with them. And if you're anything like me, and God help you if you are, you deal with them too. And stress and worry are, it doesn't matter if you're a man, it doesn't matter if you're a woman, it doesn't matter if you're the youngest person, it doesn't matter if you're the oldest person. In fact, I read this week of a 95-year-old woman. She was at a nursing home and she received a visit from one of her fellow church members. How are you feeling? The visitor asked. Oh, said the lady, I'm just worried sick. What are you worried about, dear? Her friend asked, you look rather well and healthy today. Are they taking good care of you here? Oh, yes, they're taking good care of me. Are you in any pain, she asked. No, I'm not in any pain at all. Well, then what are you worried about? The lady leaned back in her rocking chair. She sighed a heavy sigh. Then she slowly explained her major worry. She said, every close friend I've ever had has already died and went to heaven. She said, I'm worried that they're in heaven wondering which place I went to. (laughs) Doesn't matter what age you're at. Matthew 6. We're going to be starting in verses uh, 25 on down. Here's what stress is. I don't need to tell you what it is. You know what it is. You feel what it is. Stress is pressure. It is strain, it is tension exerted on a material object, and in this case, that object is you. Worry is allowing your mind to dwell on that pressure or strain or tension. It's allowing one's mind to dwell on difficulty or troubles, to give way to anxiety or unease. And this is how stress and worry enter our discussion 
about connection with God and specifically about prayer. Because stress and worry present a need for connection with God. And if you're following along your study guide, here's how it works. <clears throat> stress and worry present the need for connection with God. If, if, if you were to look at it this way, um, stress and worry are like that light gauge on your car. And when there's a problem, you know, boop, it comes on and it says there is a problem. And you need to do something about it. And so stress and worry engages your life and it really sounds the alarm and says you need to go to God. It's the perfect reminder that I need to connect with God. It sets up that opportunity. And in fact, the Bible has a number of passages about our connection with God in times of trouble. One verse says, God is our help in time of trouble. Another uh, verse in Jeremiah where God says, call to me and I will answer you. And 1 Peter 5, 7 says, cast all of your anxiety on me because I care for you. So stress and worry present the perfect opportunity for us to come to God it's the very moment he wants us to trust him, to lean on him, to have confidence in his ability to come through and deliver us. It is that perfect opportunity, but here's the other part of it. Stress and worry present a barrier to our connection with God. Now just think about it. Although they present a need for that connection, they also present a barrier to our connection with God. And if you just think about this for a moment, there is an emotional, and it is real, there is a very real emotional, mental, and spiritual barrier that hinders our connection with God from stress and worry. Have you ever noticed this? Stress and worry causes us to doubt God's care, to doubt his ability, to doubt his purpose, in our pain and how we handle our stress impacts our memory. Have you ever understood this? Because I have personally. We go through this amnesia where in the moment of stress and worry, have you ever realized we completely forget all the things that God has done for us in the past? I have. I could be dealing with a situation right now and God could have gotten me through the very same situation 20 times in the past, but because I'm going through it right now, I forget about all of that, and I just worry about this issue right here. Amnesia. It can deal with our memory. Stress and worry also and how I deal with it can cause me to forget his promises where he will care for my needs in Christ Jesus where he will never leave me nor forsake me. How we handle stress and worry impacts our focus. Now, have you ever noticed this? It is almost impossible to stress and pray at the same time. You ever notice that? I tried it this week on Tuesday at 3.30 a.m., 
And I realize it doesn't work. I, I tried it. Stress and pray, and, and it didn't take long, and my stress overtook my prayer, and I was right just back to being overwhelmed with an issue. And then I said, oh, yeah, 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 that's right, I'm supposed to be praying. And then I, I tried to pray again, and it wasn't long into my prayer that whoosh, my stress and worry, like a flood, just overtook my prayer. It is almost impossible to focus. And then I thought, you know what, <clears throat> I'll pick it up again another day. So I tried it Thursday morning at 4.20 a.m., and it still didn't work then. And, and in case you doubt me, in case you think, I don't know about this, you try it. At the height of your worry binge, start to pray, see how long the two can commingle, and you're going to stop and say, well, look at that. Conover was actually right. Stress and worry are barriers to prayer and connection with God. So here we are, Matthew chapter 6, verse 25. Let's, let's jump into the text. Let's see what the Bible has to say about this. This is in the middle of a message that Jesus is preaching. This is all red letter if you have a red letter edition of the scriptures or if your electronic device shows red letter. What it means is every word that we're going to read was spoken by Jesus Christ. So picking up in verse 25, I'm just going to read down through this section, right down to the end of the chapter, which is verse 34. Listen along and watch as I read. Here's what it says. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. It's not life more than food, and the body more than clothes. But look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They don't labor or spin. And yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. And if that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. And each day has enough trouble of its own. We're about to jump into a topic, a subject that touches every one of us. Let's just pray for a second. God, arrest our attention, captivate our focus. May our problems not reign here in this building. 
May these next moments be yours alone. May your word solidly grasp not only our mind, but our heart. So that God, you can help us begin to march in a, in a victorious direction against one of the prevailing evils of our core. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. So here we go. Here's why worry is a barrier. How does worry become a barrier in our lives, in our connection with God? So let's talk about it. How is worry a barrier? And here's number one in your study guide and in the text. And the first three are answered through rhetorical questions that Jesus asked the audience. And the first question is, answered about birds are you not much more valuable than they and so here's number one why is worry a barrier in our connection with god so number one worry questions god's value on us worry questions god's value on us looking at the text it deals with some things that we would say we are to worry about They're worth our worry, like our life. Yeah, worry about your life. Like our food. Or like our clothing. You would think that worrying about food on the table is a valid thing, or worrying about clothing. Now, now I just want you to realize, probably some of you were worried about clothing this morning, or probably at least 60% of all men in this room were asked this question this morning, You know where we're going, gang. Does this look okay on me? Now, I know that that question brings worry to most men. Amen? Yeah. That's not the worry he's talking about. He's talking about, do we have clothes? Do we have food? Is my health okay? And the text pulls out an illustration of birds that I just love. This is just the most fantastic illustration. Jesus is the perfect teacher. I just love seeing birds out there in the middle of a hayfield in the summer. And in fact, you know what? With the way weather is right now, we need to see like birds on like plants that are living, you know? It does something for us. And and when you look at this, here's what Jesus talks about. He says, you know what? Look at these birds. Birds don't plant. You realize that? They don't plant anything. And they don't harvest. And they don't even have barns to put anything in. And in fact, just take for a moment... Put yourself in the perspective of a bird flying over the earth. They are looking at a proverbial old country buffet smorgasbord 
of the, of the world. Just think about it. They're looking at leaves and plants and flowers and hay fields. They're looking at crops and orchards. They're looking at everything down below that is so plentiful for them to eat. It is just laid out. And so when you see a bird in a field like that, you're thinking, isn't that pretty, that bird just perched there on that stem? Well, you know what? They are in the middle of a buffet that they didn't do a thing for. They didn't plant it. They didn't harvest it. They didn't have a barn for it. They didn't do a thing. And yet, there it is, free. And then have you ever noticed their nests? This is really cool. Their homes that they live in. Now, I remember back uh, when we lived on a farm. This is probably about 10 years ago. We had, we had um, some horses. We even had a cow. Um, the biggest thing that we raised um, were kids. We had a lot of those. And, um, and I remember going out and seeing a nest up in a tree, and uh, it was a little robin's nest, and I looked at it, and I inspected it. And, of course, there's all these stems around it, and there's a couple sticks in it. And then I noticed in, in that nest were, were um, a whole bunch of, a lot of horse hair. So they were grabbing the tail, uh, the hair from the mane and the tail, and they were wrapping it in their nest. And then of all things, if you can believe it, there was even long blonde hair from our girls that somehow these birds found, and they went ahead and wrapped into their nest, and there it was. But you know what? Guess how much they had to pay for all their building supplies. And if a bird is up above and they're looking down over the earth, there's all this Lowe's or Home Depot of building supplies and God basically says, here you go and here's my charge card and you get whatever you want to build your home freebie. And here's, here's what Jesus says, gang. Here's the lesson. If God does that for a bird, or, hang on, because there's some people right now that need to hear this. If God does that for a bird, what will he do for you who are made in his image? This is what Jesus is saying. What value does he put on the one who's made in his image and his likeness? Because worry at its core says, does God care about me? Does God value me? I'm going through this problem. You know, if my kids came up to me and if they were freaking out like, Dad, oh my, are we going to have lunch today? I'd be like, what? When have you not had lunch? Like, are we going to be able to sleep in a bed tonight? I'd be like, kids, come on. Like, what are you talking about? You've always slept in beds. 
Like, are we going to have a roof over our head? Like, honestly, what are you talking about? I've always provided for you. What are you worried about, kids? And this is the same thing with God. Like, come on. When have I not provided for you? When have I not cared for your needs? When have I not valued you? I mean, look at what I do for birds. And if I do that for birds, what am I going to do for the ones that I made in my very own image? And so worry questions God's value on us. And he answers that Jesus beautifully with this rhetorical question, are you not much more valuable, much more valuable than they? And guess what the answer is? Yes. It's yes. Here's question number two. With the second barrier, worry declines our circumstances. This is the question right after that. Beyond are you much more valuable than they, here's question number two, verse 27. Can any of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? Well, guess what the answer to that is? What is the answer to that? No, and in fact, probably some of us take some hours off our life by worrying. When we worry, newsflash, it does nothing to improve our situation. We are not bettered by worrying. In fact, I'm just going to tell you a few things. Some of these may or may not be by personal example. When we worry, we get stomach problems. We get irritable and unstable. I just read a book about that that told me that. We lose sleep. It can alter our performance at work and at home. It becomes a distraction, a waste from God. It costs us money because we have to go buy Tums for our stomach or sleep aids to get sleep. We apologize to our family and our friends for being grouchy. And you know what? If it does increase something, guess what it increases? Our blood pressure. Worry does nothing to improve our situation. If it does anything, it makes it worse. You know, I have yet to hear someone come to me after their ordeal is over and say, wow, I am so glad I worried about that. Wow, that was great. Heard this great illustration, how true it is. Worry is like a roller coaster. Think about it. Because you get on, you get on at this one spot, and it starts out, and I don't know if you like roller coasters or not, but here you go, you know, ching, 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 and you just start going up, and then all of a sudden, whee, whoosh, you know, and you're on this ride, and, you know, you do. You lose it in your stomach. You know, everything that was down here is now up here, and you feel this tremendous, horrid rush as you are going down and up and in this loop-de-loop and in this corkscrew and all of the highs and lows and anger and frustration and fear as you go through this tremendous ride. And you know what? When it's all done with this ride of worry and you come down at the end, guess where it leaves you off? Right where you started. 
You go through all of that, and guess where it gets you? Nowhere. But you're a lot worse off for the ride, aren't you? That's what worry's like. And so Jesus comes right out in very plain language. He says, hey, so which of you by worrying can add a single hour to their life? Here's number three. Worry doubts God's ability to provide for us. He answers this question. It's a little bit later, verse 28. He talks about the flowers. He says, look at the flowers. They're out in a field of dirt. Flowers don't work. They don't labor. It's not like as if they're on a loom and they spin and he's like, I'm telling you, not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like a flower. Here's verse 30. If that's how God dresses the flowers, the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O oh, you of little faith? Similar to the first lesson on worry, Instead of questioning God's value of us, this one questions if he's able to care for us. And worry doubts God's ability to provide for us. If he's able to do it, is he smart enough? Does he have the resources? Does he have the wisdom to take care of us? And as we look at grass and flowers blooming all around of us this coming spring we recognize god's ability to make beautiful things come from dirt even after a harsh winter like what we get and if he's able after winter to make things bloom after all the frost after all the cold and the freeze and out of dirt, all of a sudden, boom, here's flowers. If he's able to do that from dirt, I wonder what he can do with us after our circumstance. I need to keep moving. Here's number four. Worry distracts us from kingdom work. Worry distracts us from kingdom work how true this is. He gets down to the very end after those three rhetorical questions and he says in verse 33, okay, instead of all of this worry, what should we do? Verse 33, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. So follow it back, gang. So instead of worry, he says, what should we do? Seek first his kingdom, his righteousness. Seek first his kingdom, his righteousness. He'll take care of the rest. God says, leave that stuff to me. You take care of my kingdom, my righteousness. For many of us, though, gang, I'm the first in line. Our preoccupation with all of the rest inhibits our focus on God's agenda. We pack our schedules full of all the extras. 
that we worry we can't get it all done, and the thing that gets thrown on the back burner is our efforts for God's kingdom. We have so many things we need to keep paying for that we have burned our resources to help the needy, to give toward God's program or fund the advancement of the gospel. Worry, busyness, distracts us from the kingdom work that he wants us to take care of. So let's talk about it. How do we handle worry and stress? If we were to battle worry, it doesn't just disappear. It needs to be replaced. How do we handle worry and stress? How do we open this connection with God? If it's a barrier with God, how do we handle that? Well, I want to talk specifically about that. We need to practice it today. We must constantly tell ourselves the truth. It is a battle for our mind. We need to tell ourselves the truth. And this is the truth, and we're going to deal with it this morning. Let's flex some faith muscle up here, gang. You ready for this? Let's flex some faith muscle up here. Worry comes when faith weakens. We need to realize some of the obvious things that Jesus talks about here. Number one, God loves me. God values me. Do you know that? Do you believe that? Would you say that with me? God loves me. Really, folks? I don't know that we truly have any idea any idea God truly outrageously over the top extravagantly pours his love out in proportions that we'll never fully imagine and will never ever ever deserve I don't know that we'll ever fully grasp the reality of how much God loves us And that's a big part of the reason why we get scared. And that's why Jesus reminds him, come on. Don't you know he values you more than a bird? He does. I want to tell you right now, the greatest value statement of all time of all time is what we call the gospel of Jesus Christ. That God in the most overwhelming way possible said, I love you, when he sent his one and only son, Jesus Christ, 
to die in your place and mine for our sin. Gang, that's love. That's crazy love. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. John 3, 16. That's love. 1 John 4, 19. We love him because he first loved us. Romans 5, 8. But God showed his love for us in this while we were still sinners Christ died for us that's love folks we are a loved people by the greatest only God of the universe amen man he loves us wow he loves us God doesn't leave it to our imagination. Don't wonder about his love. Don't question his love. It's in black and white. It's in red. And if he values you enough to send his son to die for you, he values you enough to watch over your care, your health, your problem, your relationship, your child, my stinking New York home, your job, your marriage, your education, your career. Worry makes us question one of the most foundational truths in all of Scripture. That Jesus loves me, this I know. For the Bible tells me so. God loves you. He values you. He proved it in the gospel. He tells it to us every day when he meets our needs. He's there. He will never leave you. He loves you. Would you say it? God loves me. God loves me. He loves you. Here's the second one. God's got this. God's got this. We need to tell ourselves this because why worry is so strong is it tells us all the other junk. And it's natural. We don't need, like, I need to worry about this. I need to practice worrying. We don't need to practice. So we need to tell us this. God does love me. God does care. God's got this. And not just flowers. He can make your life bloom from dirt too. You know, is there anything too hard for him? Can we remind ourselves from this? There's no panic button in heaven. God's not frantically running around with alarms sounding saying, oh, what am I going to do? You know, He's got it. Romans 8, 28, and we know that in all things, not some things, not most things, not in just about everything, in all things, all, everything, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose in 
all things, God works. In all things, God works. God's got this done. Philippians 1.5, he who began a good work in you will be faithful. God is faithful to complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. God's got it. Good news, gang. God's got it. He's still God. He's got it. Would you say with me, God's got this. God's got this. God loves me. God loves me. God's got this. He does. Here's the last one. Pray and advance God's kingdom. When we can flex that faith memory, God loves me, God's got this. He wants me to pray. Philippians 4, 6, don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. That's it. Don't be anxious, pray. When I remind myself God loves me, he values me, he's not going to screw this up. He's got this. What I need to do is pray, and I need to work. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All these things will be added unto you. Let's remind ourselves who we're talking to. This is the God of the universe. This is the most high one, the supreme one. There's no one higher. There's not even a close second. He loves me. He's got it. And so with trusting confidence, we present a request to him. And then we get back to work for his kingdom. He loves me. He's got it. I do some battle up in my head with those values. And then I pray. And I get back to work and advance his kingdom. We can't sit there paralyzed by worry. We can remind ourselves he loves us. He's got it and actively pray about it and replace worry with work. We all struggle with it. If you say you don't struggle with worry, then I can tell you, you also struggle with lying, okay? It's where we all are. Would you stand with me for a moment? Let's keep those lines with God open. Let's pray together. God, you know where we are. You know our needs. You know this is real. God, our needs show us we need you. But our needs sometimes become a barrier because we obsess about them. Forgive us for forgetting the most important truths that you've ever given us. And God, in your grace, awaken us to the reality 
of the very God we serve. That you love us. You've got it. Thank you for your patience with us. We need you in our lives now more than ever. We pray this in Jesus' name.